We're dedicating our Torah class today to Rufua Shlema of Beruz Ben Omayun and Lahabdu Ben Chaim, Chaya Chaim, in memory of Edna Rosie, Bat Manya. Manya is a mother's name? Yes. What's the father's name? Rachman. Edna Rosie Bat Rachman. Gidon ben Abraham. Gidon ben Abraham. Amen. Amen. By the way, it's a school for a long life to make that mistake. I just want to let you know. Don't, don't get scared by that. It's a school that has Nisvarim. When you make a mistake and you say something, Ilu Nishmat, you're still alive, it's a school for a full Shlema. Rabbi, you actually happened. A crazy story. There were a group of guys who study Torah every morning. And one of them got very sick, and a friend of his decided that in order to have a skula, that the guy should get better, he's going to post on the door of the synagogue that he died. He did that, because he heard of this, that says in the, he read in this holy book that that's his skula. It's a true story. So he put this on the door of the synagogue that Yankel died, and his, his funeral is at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's he wrote in the, don't try this at home, folks. This is what he did. It worked. It worked, and this guy who was deathly ill got better. It was a miracle. But the next morning, everyone comes to the synagogue, they see that their friend Yankel died. Honold Sly, can you imagine? So they come to the synagogue, they're, all, they're standing there, oh my gosh, Yankel was sick, he, got, he died. They all, they, they all come to the synagogue and they all, they're, 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 they're crying, they're waiting for the funeral, waiting for the hearse to come. Yankel himself comes at 10 o'clock to the synagogue. That's great. He felt like it was the resurrection of the dead, you can imagine. Wow. Speaking <laughs> of the resurrection of the dead and Rav Shlema, um, the third of Sivan is a, is a day when Hashem healed all those who were sick before the Torah was given, anyone who, who was blind, anyone who was deaf, anyone who couldn't, um, uh, was lame. God healed everybody before the Torah was given. In a similar way, uh, tonight is the third of Sivan. All, all the world and all of our people need a refuah shlema. We all need the, the healing. We need the Mashiach to come. So a great blessing to do is to make a decision today Come on Monday to hear the Ten Commandments. Monday is, a, is going to be, it's our round third anniversary. Day 10. I'm not the same. It's our 3,333rd anniversary of receiving wow. the Torah Mount Sinai this coming Monday. There's no other nation in the world that could say anything even close to that. No one has any, anything even close to what we, what we say about, what we know. We believers, children of believers, and children of their children, and children of their children. Everyone else is in Wikipedia. The Romans are on Wikipedia, the Greeks are on Wikipedia, and we wrote Wikipedia. So this is really something very special. So it's a, it, God says in the Torah, if you come to the synagogue and hear the Ten Commandments, the day that He gave it to us, it is considered as if, not considered as if, God Himself is giving us the Torah on that day. And being in the synagogue is a tremendous, tremendous, it's, you're hearing God's voice. There's someone there, you're going to hear Eitan, read the Torah, Eitan, Eitan. It's really God speaking, and it's a special thing. Everyone should make a decision today to be there. And uh, that itself is a blessing to, to all the time. We're going to have two in our synagogue. Uh, one, actually, we're going to have three. Make sure everyone can make it there. We're going to have one at 6 o'clock, one at 11.15, and one at 6 p.m. Make sure everyone is able to make it. Um, what time are you coming for, Isaac? What time should I, should I open up the red carpet for you? 9 p.m. Monday, coming to hear the Torah reading, give me three options. 6 a.m., 11 a.m., or 6 p.m., Monday? 6 a.m. is an idea. Okay. 6 a.m., you get the most people. Really? Beautiful. 
the Ellie, what time are you coming? Where are you going? Where are you, go- where are you going to the synagogue on Monday to hear the Ten Commandments? You got to go somewhere. You feel me. Where, where, where do you live again? La Siena, the closest to La Siena and Olympic. Okay, come to us. Come to us, 8850 West Pico. You got to come to us. Come. 6 a.m., 11 a.m., or 6 p.m. The times are pretty crazy. So what's the reading? What's the reading? Ten Commandments. God's going to give us a Torah again, and we've got to be there. every. When God gave us a Torah at the first time, when God gave us a Torah the first time, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said, he couldn't give us a Torah until everybody was there. One guy wasn't there. Imagine that happening on Delta. Hi, um, I, have, I have this flight to catch, but my, my son is finishing his lollipop. You know, but... Torah, God says every one of us has to be there before before the flight takes off, and so it's, it's a real great blessing. So I want to I want to bring the blessing in now for all our brothers and sisters in Israel. Make a decision today, Eli here, in, in order to schut everyone in Israel. We're not we're not we're not called up to, to, to fight like your dad was a pilot, right? He had to do his job. I'm asking you to join the Chela Avir, coming to Shamayim, on, on join 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 the synagogue and hear the Ten Commandments, and bring someone else with you. Bring someone else with you either 6 a.m. or 11 or 6 p.m., to be there, to hear Ten Commandments is a tremendous blessing. And uh, we have also a great uh, cheese, uh, cheesecake. <laughs> now the question is, why do we always eat cheese and dairy on Shavuot? What is the meaning of it? And it sounds like just like a custom that people do and it's not so important. It's very important because everything the Torah says is important. But I'm not just saying it's important to do. I'm saying the idea behind it is very deep and it has a lot of significance that you may have never heard of before. It's going to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. Ready? Here we go. So one of the reasons we have dairy on the holiday of Shavuot is like this. When Moses was born, his parents had a very hard time trying to figure out what to do. Because the Pharaoh had said that every Jewish boy had to be killed. So Moses was a preemie. He was born in the seventh month. So the Egyptians, they knew when Moses and, and Moses' father and mother remarried. Because after the Pharaoh had said they're going to kill the Jewish boys, Moses' parents separated. And when Moses' parents separated, all Jewish men and women separated. Because they saw the leader of the Jewish people has decided to separate from his wife, it's time to separate. No point in bringing children in the world. But Moses' sister said to her father, you're worse than the Pharaoh. What do you mean I'm worse than the Pharaoh? He says the Pharaoh only says to kill the Jewish boys. If you're going to stay away from from uh, marriage and family, there won't be any Jewish girls being born either. And because of her, Aaron, I'm sorry, Amram, remarried Yocheved, because of that Moses was born. So Moses is born seven months later, and the Egyptians are, the day Moses was born on, the seventh day of Adar. And Moses' parents were concerned that the, the Pharaoh's policemen were coming around at the end of nine months to check out if there's a baby born. They have to get rid of him if they push him out of the house before the ninth month. That's why they put him in the basket on the Nile River. They put him in the basket because they knew the policemen were going to come around after nine months. So then, when is the date of the ninth month after Moses was, was the conception of Moses? What day was he in the basket? He was in the basket on the, and, his, and the daughter of the Pharaoh, Batya, sees Moses in the, in the water and she famously stretches out her hand. Miraculously, her arm stretches many, many, many feet to get the baby basket in the, in the river, which shows us a lot about stretching out your hand to do something and God helps you. But either way, she gets Moses, and Moses, because Moses was destined to speak to God, so none of the nursemaids, or whatever they're called, of the, of the Pharaoh were able to nurse Moses. God caused that Moses would not want to nurse any of them. 
And so Miriam, who's watching this whole time, Moses' sister, he, she sees this whole thing and she says, I know why he's not nursing. See, he's Jewish. Jewish people only nurse from Jews. It's a thing that Jews have. A Jewish baby will only nurse from a Jewish mother. I know a woman who is Jewish. I can bring her here and he'll nurse from her. So they bring Moses' real mother, Yocheved. Yocheved was Moses' real mother. She comes. She nurses Moses. And uh, that day that she nursed Moses was the same day that 80 years later, Moses was going to actually speak to God about Sinai and get the Torah. That 80 years later, that same day, it was the sixth day of Sivan, or that Moses was going to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai, and eight years before, Moses is nursed from his mother, milk, and that is one of the reasons why we have milk on Shavuos to commemorate that miracle of Moses being nursed by his mother. Another reason, many other reasons, but I want to go to the deepest reason. I want to go all the way, all the way in. I know you guys are busy, you have to get back to work. So I want to go all, all the way in to the deepest Kabbalistic reason of why we do this. So, there are, um, there are many times that the angels came to God and they told God that you shouldn't pay attention to human beings. Human beings are just, they're just like low. We're pure, we're holy, your Torah is pure, your Torah is holy, give us the Torah. Give us the Torah. The Torah is life, we're alive. The Torah is pure, we're pure. The Torah is holy, we're pure. We're holy, give us the Torah. God says, no, I'm going to give the Torah to human beings, to the Jewish people here in this world. And after he gives us the Torah, what happens 40 days, la- 40 days later, after we see the Torah Mount Sinai? Golden calf. So Moses goes back up the mountain and God agrees to give the Jewish people a second chance. to give us the second tablets. Moses comes back up the mountain and the angels say to God, whoa, 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 You're giving them a second chance. They're giving them a Torah again. They just messed up on your Torah. You're going to give us a Torah. So God told the angels, you're always complaining about people and what people do and people, and people can't keep the Torah and you're holy. I actually gave you guys a thing to do in the Torah and you never did it. You went against the Torah. What do you mean, God? What are you talking about? God sent three angels to visit Avram, to visit Abraham. The Torah says when he visited Abraham, they ate uh, dairy and they ate meat together. So if they ate meat and dairy together, they went against the Torah. So the angels said to God, you know what? We got nothing to respond. We have nothing to respond and they were, and, and the God gave us the Torah. That's the story the Talmud says. Okay. The story doesn't make any sense though, for a couple of reasons. Number one, let's compare the, the transgressions over here. We prayed to the golden calf. That's a big one, right? Or they ate the meat and the milk together. Which one's worse? The calf. The calf is for sure worse. Yeah. Number two, uh, Avram served them meat and milk together? Oh. <laughs> Why did Avram do that? That's another question. So, they talk together. so, so, so we'll get to that in a second. We'll go to the point. Um, number, number two, the issue of eating milk and meat together didn't, doesn't seem to exist in the story of Avram. Because the Torah says that Avram bought them first milk and butter, whatever, and then he went to slaughter the cow. Slaughtering the cow takes time. Yeah. So he, first he served them, and they ate, and must have made it, must have waited many hours until they got the uh, they got the meat. Must have been at least an hour until the meat was served after they slaughtered a cow. It's not so simple. So what exactly is is going on over here? In fact, the Torah says you're allowed to wash your mouth out. 
Many people wait an hour, they wait a half hour, but technically, the strict letter of the law, after you wash your mouth and wash it out well and eat something else, you're allowed to eat meat afterwards. So, so to understand all this, what the meaning is of the, and this discussion in God and the angels, and it must be deeper. It must be a deeper reason why this was the thing that proves that the Torah should be given to us. It must be something deeper about the story and how it expresses what the role is of our people in this world and receiving the Torah. There must be something deeper about this meat and milk thing. So let's go a little bit, let's get a little technical for a second. How does the meat and milk thing work? The halacha is that once you eat meat, you have to wait for six hours until you eat anything there. Why six hours? Why so much? So one explanation is because uh, when you eat meat, meat is a heavy taste. It lasts in your mouth for a long time. And therefore, you have to wait six hours until the taste goes away. That's one opinion. Another opinion is it's not the taste necessarily. It's that the meat has, it gets caught in the teeth. It gets caught in your teeth and it, and it lasts in your teeth for a long time. And after six hours, it's not considered anymore to be food. So you have to wait six hours until, uh, until so that's why even if you chew up food, let's say for a baby, you're chewing on, on you, want your, you want your baby to eat it and you want to like make it soft to them, you chew it in your mouth first. So according to Maimonides, is that you still have to wait six hours. Or let's say you, um, you, you, you only uh, swallowed it, but you didn't chew it. Still according to Rashi, you have to wait six hours. Because either we, we are stringent, like both opinions, and no matter what you do, you wait six hours. Unless you tasted some challenging and you didn't, you didn't, you just, you just put it in your mouth and you didn't chew on it and you spit it out just to taste it the chance okay so then you wouldn't have, wouldn't have to wait six hours but what's the meaning of this uh, six hour thing so the six hours are connected to the six characteristics six soul characteristics that every person has there are six soul energies not going to get into all of them today let's talk about two there is chesed and there is gvura there are people of yes and people of no there are people that right away that they need, they, they are very free and quick to give compliments to other people. When you ask them for a favor, their default, spontaneous answer right away is yes. That's there are people like that, and there are other people which are people of no. That their their default, spontaneous answer is is no. The answer is no. And chesed, kindness, and love is about giving. And there are some people they're born with a natural tendency to always give. And some people are born with a natural tendency to not to give. And it's not that they're bad people. It's that they're judgmental. Judgmental is not a bad thing. I, don't, I know in our society, judgmental means a bad thing. I don't mean that in a bad way. Judgmental means that they're very discerning and they think carefully before they think about what exactly the other person needs. It's not just about what I want to do. It's about what the other person that I'm giving to, to needs. So the people of, of kindness, people of chesed, they're always very free to give compliments. They want other people to feel good. They, and there's a balance, and that there's a value in each one of these things. Some people which are too, you know, they're too giving, and they, and they, and they lose themselves, and, and they, they, don't, they don't know what, they, what they're doing. And some people are too stubborn. Some people are, some people, there's a difference between hesitancy and ambivalence. There's a difference between being, being wishy-washy and, uh, and, and, and being carefully discerning. So there, there has to be a, a blessing to really know what the right thing is to do to the right person at the right time, every situation is different. There was one chassid who I had the privilege of knowing, the mental foot of us. Can't say I knew him; he was head and shoulders beyond everyone else. But never gave him a blessing once that he should say the right thing, to the right person at the right time. So one of his grandchildren, I asked one of his grandchildren, "Did you get the blessing too? Did you, can you do the same thing?" He says, "We, we divided the inheritance." <laughs> so, 
I say the right thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. The other person says the right thing to the right person, but the wrong. So, so the, it's a great blessing to know when, when to do that. And you, have to, and you have to really know when and what. So what should you do? What's the best thing? What's the best thing? On average, what should your default be? Yes or no? So you would think it's good to have a perfect balance. It's good to have half yes, half time yes, half time no. It's good to have a balance. But Arizal says, right. Arizal says, you have to have more chesed. You have to have more kindness. You have to have more yes. It has to be more yes than no. That's, that's what the world needs. Time now before Mashiach comes. He says there has to be an emphasis. There has to be a strengthening of the yes. It has to be more giving. And the psychologists, Lahavdal, uh, they all agree. They say that a child needs in the home to hear four times more positive, four times more yes than no. It has to be quadruple amount of yes to raise a healthy child who's well-adjusted and secure, they have to hear, and it's not easy to know if you're doing this, by the way. You might feel that with your child you're always yesing them, but ask your child, what, are you, what does my dad do more? Does, he do more? does he do more yes or does he do more no? The child knows better than you. There was once this, uh, you're always saying no. a friend of mine, he went to, this, to this, uh, this school, and he asked the kids an interesting question. He said, what do you think your mother is doing right now? What do you think your father is doing right now? And one kid says, my father's at work. One kid says, my mother's cooking. One kid says, unbelievable. Listen to this, David. David, one kid says, my mother is standing there by the window. She's waiting until I come home so that she could ask me how my day was. She's so excited to hear what I did today. Imagine how, that kid, imagine how fortunate that kid is. Imagine how special that kid feels. That kid is empowered to be present in life and to be all there with it. He has such, such strength. So that's, that's what children need. That's the first, the sixth spirot, chesed, kindness giving. And the result says in our time that we live in, there needs to be a lot more of that than Gvur. Gvur is necessary too. You also have to be discerning. That, that, that's also something that God gave us and there's time for everything. But over, overwhelmingly, there has to be more kindness than judgment, more, more giving than discernment. So God made all of these sfirot. He made all of these different characteristics. In Hebrew, the word sfirot comes from the word sipur. Sfirot and sipur are the same root. God created the whole, the story of creation depends upon these six energies. Sugar. Is sugar more chesed or more gvura? When I grew up, sugar was a good thing. Now all of a sudden it became like a, the, the devil, the angel of death, whatever. But, but, but sugar is connected in Kabbalah, it's sweet, connected to chesed. Salt, on the other hand, it's connected to gvura. Salt is the opposite. Salt is, is not, what about milk? In the world, there are different things that you give them and you lose them when you give them. Some things you give and you don't lose, like, like wisdom. You know something, you share it with someone else, you don't lose. Giving love, you don't lose when you give love. In fact, milk is something that when it's given, when a mother milks her child, she actually nurses her child, she actually gets more milk because when she nurses her child, she loses the milk if she doesn't give. The more she nurses, the more she gives. And that same is also with love in general, kindness in general, that the more kindness you exercise, the more kindness you feel. People think you love People, people think you give to who you love to. It's the opposite. You, you love who you give to. The more you give, the more you love. You go out of your way and try this out at home, folks. Try this out at home. Try to give to someone in a way from yourself that's not so easy. You will peel a layer. You will come in touch with a part of yourself you did not know. I'm telling you, just do this. Give of yourself to help someone else out. Not give, not just, you know, give. Give, like really, like give. You'll discover another part of yourself you never knew about. And you'll, hello, that, that's you. That's your deeper self. That's, that's, that's your neshama. That's who you are. So milk is associated with chesed, with kindness. Whereas gevura, with that meat, which is hard, milk is, 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 is a liquid. 
and liquid is, is something which causes things to be connected to each other, whereas meat is hard, and meat represents gvura. Meat, meat right away is associated with slaughtering the meat, meat is associated with, with, with desire, we think of meat, we think of like ravenous desire, meat is associated more with, with gvura. So this will help us understand more this six-hour thing. Let's backtrack for a second. If you have meat and milk that touch each other, it doesn't become non-kosher. It only becomes non-kosher if there is heat. Heat causes them to become attached to each other. Meat and milk, which are cooked together, become non-kosher. They just touch each other, they're not considered attached. What if you have, one of them is hot and the other isn't? Let's say you have a hot piece of salami and you put a piece of cheese on the salami. Or you have a hot piece of cheese or, uh, and you put it on top of a piece of cold salami. Well, how does it work? So there's an argument in the Talmud. What is more dominant? Is the bottom thing more dominant and therefore goes away if the bottom is hot or cold? Or is the top item more dominant and therefore goes by if the top is hot or cold? The two opinions in the Talmud are called Rav and Shmuel. Rav says you always go by the top item. That's what, how, that's what con- should determine whether we consider this, this, this convergence of meat and milk to be considered a hot convergence or we consider it a cold convergence because the bottom one is, is cold. So Shmuel says go by the bottom. Rav says go by the top. There's a similar scenario every time you eat. If you eat something, that thing that comes in your stomach is on the bottom. That's a dominant thing according to Shmuel. Shmuel says what you eat first is dominant and therefore you should wait six hours after you have meat. Meat is associated with gvura. Meat is associated with judgment. We said they have to be more, more. It has to be stronger kindness, more kindness than judgment. So therefore, if you eat meat first, you don't want the meat to be dominant. Therefore, they have to wait for six hours. Six hours represent the six character traits until they, until they all cool off, and then to let the chesed to be dominant. Let the chesed. You can't have the gvura, the judgment, overwhelming the kindness. And therefore, you have to wait six hours after you have the meat, before you have, have the milk. Some people think that five hours is correct. It's not true. It has to be a full six hours. Okay, getting back to the opinion of Rav. Rav says the opposite. Rav says the first thing you have first that goes in the bottom of your stomach, that is not the dominant thing. The thing that goes in second is dominant. And therefore, according to Rav, it would seem you shouldn't have to wait six hours after you have meat, the contrary, because the meat's on the bottom, it's not dominant. Let's go now back to the... So many halacha, many halachas in Torah are understood upon this, but don't try this at home trying to figure out halacha by yourself because there's so many other factors. If the halacha is not like... like halacha is like medicine. You can't Google the answer to medical questions. You're just going to... There's so many different variants, that, that, that variables, that make halacha what halacha is. So don't try this at home, folks. But for our purposes today, let's go back to the angels for a second. The halacha is... Like Shmuel, we follow the opinion of Shmuel, the bottom is dominant, and therefore we have to wait six hours after to have meat, you want to have the kindness to be dominant. And therefore, getting back to the angels, what should the angels have done after the angels ate the milk? It seems to be okay. You eat the meat right after, it's okay. It's, the, the chesed is first, the chesed is supposed to be dominant, the milk is allowed to be dominant. But... Think about the angels again and, and, and the Jewish people and the angels and Moses. When God told Moses, I want to give the Torah to the Jewish people, and the angels said, don't give it to them, they're lousy. What did Moses respond to them? Moses said to the angels, 
God said to Moses, tell them why you deserve the Torah. I want you to hear, you're, you're the lawyer for the Jewish people. I want you to prove why this property belongs to Jewish people. What did Moses respond? Moses said, hey, it says in the Torah, don't serve idols. Are you living among Gentiles who serve idols? You need to be told not to have idols. It says in the Torah, don't kill. Do you even want to kill? Do you have such a thing murder exists in heaven? It says in the Torah, don't steal. It doesn't exist in heaven. It says in the Torah, I'm the Lord your God took you out of Egypt. Have you ever been to Egypt? It says in the Torah, honor your father and mother. Do you have a father and mother? So all these things about, uh, that Moses was saying was emphasizing that Torah is all about downstairs. Torah is all about the bottom. The bottom, the earth, is most important. The angels were saying the most important thing is heaven. Just like they were of the opinion that Rav is correct, that the most important thing is what comes second because the, the, the angels feel that the the thing on top is more important. That just represented their spiritual, philosophical opinion that the heaven is more important than the earth. The Torah is a spiritual thing. We're spiritual beings. But the Moses told them, you got it all wrong. The only reason why God wants to give us the Torah is because precisely because we're physical, precisely because, you know what this means to us? We have a lot, everyone knows themselves, all their shortcomings. Everyone knows themselves better than anybody else, their shortcomings. You would think the Torah doesn't belong to me because of I open the things that I do wrong. I know all the things I do wrong, so I shouldn't get the Torah. But Moses was saying the exact opposite. You know why God is giving you the Torah? You know what the Torah is meant for? The Torah is meant specifically for you because of your shortcomings. A friend of mine, uh, studying yeshiva with, his name is Rabbi Svardovich. He was in, in Belgium. He went with his wife to give out matzah before Passover at some, some little, little town by the ocean. They give out matzah to people over there. And there's one Holocaust survivor they meet over there. And she all, she's all teary. She takes the matzah. She's all teary. She's all... She'll, she tells them the following story. Not just her story. She actually proves the story. I'll tell you in a second. It's a crazy story. She, after the Holocaust, left Judaism. She came from a religious home. She left Judaism completely. Completely. And she married someone who's also Jewish, who also came from a religious home, who also left Judaism completely. They had two children, two boys, who married a non-Jewish woman, and they have non-Jewish grandchildren. One day, her husband's going to work. She says to her husband, I want to come with you to work. They come to, she comes with her husband. They pass by in the street, this marketplace, and in this marketplace, there are women standing by tables who are selling different things. Coats, trinkets, whatever they're selling. And they're all standing, she notices, they're all standing on top of books. In order to, for whatever reason, for them to present their wares, they want it to be higher up, so they're all standing on top of books. And hey, here, come over and try some of these, whatever, right? She goes a little closer, and she notices, what are they standing really on? They're standing on Gemaras. They're standing on books of Talmud. So she tells her husband, I want to buy a coat. Okay, right. She buys a coat, a huge coat. The coat, the sleeves are too big. Everything's too big. A wide coat, a crazy big, big coat. Books of what? Books of? Talmud. The Torah. Ah, Talmud. So her husband's like, why do you want to buy? I want to buy this coat. Okay, I'll buy you the coat. She buys this crazy big coat. Go ask, go figure out why, whatever, who knows why. Then she goes to uh, her husband. She says, "Listen, I want you to go over to that lady selling this stuff. Ask her about different things she's selling. Ask her in a way that she'll have to go off off of those books." <laughs> hey, uh, ma'am, um, what's this thing you got over there? I want to see this bakishtra. What price is that? What? What? She goes off. She takes the books of Tom. She puts it in the coat. <laughs> then they go to the next lady. Same thing. Hey, um, can I ask you a question about this thing? She goes off the book. She, she stuffs the, <laughs> the books in her coat. She managed to get 30 books of Talmud 
because it will bother her. She's not religious at all. She doesn't. It would seem she doesn't care about this stuff. She married none, and and yet she saw them stepping the books of Talmud. It touched her to the very core of her soul, and she couldn't. She couldn't go on with her day. This is who I am. When God gave us the Torah, you know what God said? God said, "I am the Lord your God. Took you out of Egypt. I am your God. I'm your God. I." God <laughs> says the word Anochi, the word I in Hebrew, Anochi is an acronym for four words. I, my soul, I wrote it and gave it. When God gave us the Torah, He gave us His very core, He became one with us. So you, as a Jew, you're one with God. And therefore, it's not that you have shortcomings, despite your shortcomings, God wants to give you the Torah anyways. It's exactly the opposite. God gave us the Torah. He wants us in this world to make a Torah home for Him. He didn't give it to the angels. The angels got it all wrong. The whole point of Torah is that God wants Mashiach to come. What's Mashiach about? Elevating the world. So that Yankel, or Isaac, or myself, or Jay, we're going to go today, we're going to take a, take a Perrier, and we say, and elevate and make that space and that spot in time in history a holy spot and place. That, that's what it's about. So this is what the Torah is about. It's about the bottom, about the lower, about the being elevated. And that is why the response to the angels, why we want the Torah, they should, why they don't deserve the Torah, is, be, is because they ate the milk before the meat. God told the angels, hey, you guys are eating the milk before the meat, that's only okay if you say that the bottom is more important. But if you say the top is more important, then, then, then the, the, you should wait six hours. And therefore, bottom line is, my friends, Hashem should bless us all to receive the Torah with joy and inspiration. And we should realize that God means me, and God means now, and God means here, wherever we are. And, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Um, you remember our, 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 uh, our financial agreement? Financial agreement, remember? Imagine I told you I have a great deal for you on Monday morning, 11 o'clock. Would you, think would, you, would you be there? A great deal. Like the best deal you ever did in your life. There's no better deal you're going to find than coming to 11 o'clock to get the Torah. There's no better deal. Big stuff. Big stuff. Chaim, Chaim. Shavuot.